Welcome to the Love Before 100 podcast. I'm Rachel Birch, and I'm here because everyone says dating in your 40s sucks. So I decided to make a game out of it. Part scavenger hunt, part bucket list. I made a list of all the ways I could meet my person. Then I assigned every task a points value. The goal now, find love before I hit 100. Points or years, whichever comes first. You got me shaking, yeah, I feel the fever coming on. Oh, you know you're all Keep saying And we're back to cross a pretty big item off the list this week. But before we do, I want to let you know that if starting your own podcast is on your list, I'm launching the Bingeable Podcast. It's a course and a mastermind, and I'm launching it next month to help you do just that. So if you're into personal development, podcasting, or you just want to stay in touch and work with me, all the details are in the show notes. I hope to see you in class. Okay, so now, without further ado, this week, we are crossing Have Sex Again off the list again. That's what I'm talking about. Yep, exactly. 18 months, 25 podcast episodes, and 28 first dates to the day that we last crossed this off. It finally happened again. But it's not what you think. Here's what happened. Actually, wait, we're not ready for that yet. Let's recap first. Perhaps you remember the last time. I slept with someone. Season one, episode two. The guy I met on the plane, Minnesota. I fell hard for that guy. And by fell, I mean attached. I attached so hard that when it abruptly ended, right after the sex, I broke wide open. And then, as one does, I started a podcast about it. And the last 25 episodes have been me putting myself back together again. I mistakenly thought the sex was what broke me. And so I've avoided it completely. But as I've mentioned many times, I want it. And because of the season of my life I'm in and the changing of my hormones, unfortunately, I want it more than I ever have. I recently had a huge awareness. I have magical thinking around the idea of sharing my body with someone. What I mean by that is that I believe that sex should be magical, special, that it should mean something. And while this might be true, I'm open to it maybe also not being true. You see, here's how I started thinking that way in the first place. It all started with Derek Gordon. Sophomore year of high school, everybody had to take health class. Looking back, I wouldn't say it was very healthy. It was half health class and half driver's ed, and it was taught by the school's football coach. We sat in those little schoolhouse desks in alphabetical order, and the guy behind me was Derek Gordon. Derek was a short, blonde skateboarder who wore mostly plaid flannels. He wasn't particularly popular or anything. He was just a regular guy, but something he would say would have a very lasting impact on me. During the segment of health class, when they talked about teenage pregnancy statistics, he leaned forward and whispered, that's going to be you. You're going to be a statistic. I bet you'll be knocked up by 16. I was shocked and confused. This kid didn't even know me. Why would he think that? But for some reason, in that moment, I decided that I would wait until I turned 18 to have sex. 
Take that, Derek. I'll show you. I also decided that my first time would be magical. And it was because I made it so. I planned and plotted and strategized and basically ensured that I would have the experience that I desired. Fast forward through many, well, not many, but some other first-time experiences, and they were much less magical. And then I was married for a long time. It took five years after my divorce to finally be open to trying this sex thing again. I mean, I wanted it, but I had no idea how to get it, or rather, how to let myself have it. And somehow, I reinstated the magical thinking. I wanted it to be magical and special and mean something. And then I met the guy on the plane. And it did mean something. And it was special and magical, just to me. And then, less than 12 hours later, it was over. And because I didn't understand the rules of the game, and because I let myself get attached too soon, I was completely crushed, annihilated. And that was my first real introduction to dating in my 40s. Since then, I have learned a lot. I've seen a lot and I've experienced a lot. And I've shared it all with you in the hopes you can learn with me from my many, many mistakes. And so here we are a year and a half later and I'm ready. But I notice I still can't shake that magical thinking around what it should look like. And I'm not sure if I just lean into it and continue to wait for something special to come along. Or if it's time to shed that old way of thinking and just go after what I really want. As I mentioned above, I've had 28 first dates. That's 28 new men, 28 possibilities, some really good ones, some really attractive ones, some really sexy ones. And not one has led to sex. There must be something I'm doing wrong. And so now we have a second chance with Hubba Hubba. I mean, if ever there was a magical, special, exciting, sexy option for sex, it's Hubba Hubba. So going back to where we last left off, I had reconnected with Hubba Hubba. I had sent him a text and he had immediately replied, as always. I considered this a really good sign that he was still single and still interested. It didn't take long for him to ask when it would be back down his way. I said I needed to check my calendar, which was true. And he replied, okay, well, let me know. The next day, I look at my calendar, or rather calendars, to try and figure out the best time for another trip down to San Diego. I have to consult with my work calendar, my custody schedule, and also my menstrual cycle app because, you know, I want to have all my bases covered, just in case. Between the three calendars, I only have one option in the next two weeks, and it's this Tuesday, which is in three days. I text him, are you around Tuesday? Otherwise, it's going to be the first week of November. I can do Tuesday, but wouldn't have a ton of time. And free November 1st if that night works too. Or both. LOL. I like both. What does not a ton of time mean to you? An hour or so. The first I have all night. I like all night better, I say. And he replies, Me too. I send the screenshots to Melissa, and she replies and offers to accompany me on my booty call. Well, not on the call part, but she suggests that we spend the day in San Diego together and then she'll have dinner alone and then we can meet up afterwards. I love this plan. A week later, it's Friday again and I haven't heard anything from him, but I'm not worried. I know his patterns by now and our date isn't until next week. And besides, I'm more worried about my son right now. My seven-year-old claims he can't walk or put pressure on his leg. 
I'm pretty sure it's growing pains, but I wish I could ask Hubba Hubba about it. And then, like magic, an early morning text comes in from him at 8.43 a.m. Hey, how's your week been? Melissa urges me to ask Hubba Hubba about my son's leg. I feel sick at the thought. She explains that men like to help and she just wants to see what he does. I figure it's good practice for me. And so I follow her precise instructions and say, Hi, getting your text made me feel happy. Thank you for asking. I'm dealing with something that's stressing me out. It's actually in your field. Can I ask you a quick question about it? He responds immediately. Oh, sorry. Of course. I tell him what's happening and he responds. No false. Where's the pain? Ugh. I'm swooning. I really do like him. And a man who can help ease my fears is extra sexy. As a recovering hypochondriac, I always thought it would be good if I ended up with someone in the medical field. So I reply, nope, he plays flag football, but nothing happened at practice. It's in his left thigh and kind of radiates down to his knee. Is it swollen red? No, but it's hot. If he truly can't walk on it, he should get seen. At least to get an x-ray. That will rule out a lot. I really don't want to go to the ER. There's way too many germs there, especially right now. Everyone's sick. So I ask, can they do that at urgent care? Yep, most can. I say, oh, good. Thank you. Also, tell me not to be scared. I feel scared. LOL. Don't be scared. And he sends a smiley face. You're the best. Thank you, I say with three prayer hand emojis. Anytime. Two days later, he texts me a photo of the beach, and we text briefly. And then two more days later, he texts me to wish me happy Halloween. And then it's November 1st, the day of our big date. That morning, he texts and asks, Hey, how's 7.38 for tonight? If you remember, I'm used to him inviting me over at 8.30 or 9. So this feels very civilized by comparison. I pick up Melissa, and we start our drive down to San Diego. This trip definitely feels different than the last three trips to San Diego. This feels like an exciting adventure, magical even. We decide to head to La Jolla and grab lunch. Then we walk around and past a cute shop called Whiskey and Leather. Melissa says she wants to pop in and right as we walk in, I spot an adorable bralette that looks exactly like one on Instagram that I've been searching for for months. Do you have this in black? I asked the sales lady. We do. I go to try it on. I might be having sex tonight, so I need something cute. I say excitedly and laugh. She wants to know everything. So as I'm trying on the bralette, I tell her through the dressing room curtain all about Hubba Hubba, about the girl, about the dresser, and about the three months that have passed. Do you have a photo? I pull out my phone and show her. And you haven't slept with him yet? Wow, girl, I'm impressed. Are you going to tonight? I say, I don't know. I'll decide in the moment. I'm open to it, but also I just want to see how tonight goes. As I'm paying for the bralette, I notice a set of date dice. It's three dice, one with food, one with movie genres, and one with sex positions. I'll get this too, I say, just in case. The woman who was helping us, Brooke, hands me her card. She's the manager. She says, text me and let me know what happens, if you sleep with them or not. I'm going to challenge you to not sleep with them. I laugh and take her card. Okay, I'll definitely text you. Around six, I get a text from him. Do you like wine? Wow, he's like actually making an effort. And then at 6.40, he texts again. Just let me know when you're heading down here. The clock finally strikes 7.15 and I drop Melissa at the Pendry where she'll be having dinner and wait for me. 
I finally get to his house at eight o'clock. I walk in and he's sitting watching Seinfeld on his laptop. He pulls the laptop shut and stands up to greet me. Hi, he says excitedly. He walks over, hugs me, and gives me a quick kiss on the lips. I sit down on the couch. He's dimmed the lights, of course, and has some candles lit this time. He's pouring the wine. Do you want something to eat? He asks. I have pumpkin chocolate chip cookies. I can't have gluten, I say. Oh, how about chocolate-covered almonds? Those probably don't have gluten. Sure, I say, taking a packet of almonds from him. Just then I hear a noise and my eyes get wide. That's the neighbors, he replies quickly. I take the opportunity to delicately bring up the last visit. I think I locked the gate when I came in. Do you expect anyone coming to the door? You don't have to worry about that, he says and smiles softly. Are you sure, I ask? Yes, I'm sure. You have nothing to worry about. Okay, that's enough for me. I actually don't want an explanation. Am I curious? Yes. Do I care? No. So I bought some things today. Want to see? I say, reaching into my purse and changing the subject. Sure, he says, smiling. I pull out the dice game. Whoa, what's this? He says, turning the box over in his hands. He opens the package and rolls the dice. It lands on a picture with a slice of pizza, the word romance, and an image of two people in the doggy style position. Oh, I see. Pizza would be dinner. Romance would be the movie genre. And what's this? He asks, pointing to the dice with the sex position. Do you know what they're doing? He asks, teasingly, making a face, pretending to be confused. No, I have no idea. What is that? I reply. He puts the dice back in the box and sets them down on the table. Looks like a pretty perfect evening to me, he says. And I bought something else, I say. Well, show me, he says excitedly. I can't. I'm wearing it, and it's for later. He smiles. Okay, he says. I can't wait to see it. We talk for about an hour, and then he moves closer on the couch and kisses me, like really passionately. Okay, he's definitely into this. I can tell he missed me. So show me this thing you bought, he says, kissing me again. I slowly unbutton the blouse I'm wearing and show him the black bralette. Oh, I like this, he says, rubbing his hand along it. No one's ever worn a sexy bra for me before. I frown. How's that even possible? I decide not to worry about that now, and we continue. And then he lets me know that he'd like to have sex with me. I'm tempted, but I just don't feel like I can do it yet. I'm not ready. This feels sort of magical, truthfully, but not like romance novel magic. Plus, there's still this worry in the back of my head that this will be it. The chase will be over, and so will we. I just need a little more time, I say. I wish I could tell you all the details, but again, this is not that type of podcast. Suffice it to say, wow, just wow. This man has skills. Holy crap. Five stars on the bedside manner or couchside manner. Once the making out is concluded, I usually feel the need to leave immediately. But I decide to force myself to stay and chat with him for a bit after, just to challenge that old story and have a new point of reference in my mind. It's weird how uncomfortable I feel sitting on his couch and chatting after a hookup versus before a hookup. I'm wondering if he's ready for me to go, but I still just sit there and continue to chat with him. He lays back on the couch arm and starts telling me a story about something. 
I kind of relax into the conversation. After what seems like forever, but was probably only about 20 minutes, I tell him I have to go pick up Melissa. He walks me to the car and kisses me goodbye. I feel electrified. That could not have gone better. I spent about two hours there. He shared parts of his life with me. He really took an interest in what I was saying. And I could tell he was making out with me differently, like with someone he liked, not a stranger. It all felt very good. I pull up to the Pendry and text Melissa that I've arrived. I can't wait to tell her everything and figure this out on the drive home. Melissa texts, I have new friends. Want to meet them? Come in. Melissa is always making new friends, literally anywhere she goes. Ugh, but I'm not really in the mood tonight. It's getting late and we still have an hour drive home. Plus, I have to drop Melissa at her place. So I say, Bella said it's $25 for the first hour. Are they worth $25? Put it on room 501, she says. My new friends have offered to pay for valet. <sighs> Reluctantly, I give my car to valet and walk inside. There's a small little vibey bar and it's practically empty, which is not surprising for a Wednesday night. I walk up and Melissa's talking to two handsome older gentlemen. Oh, I don't know why, but I was expecting her new friends to be a couple. This is much more interesting. One looks like John Hamm and one looks like George Clooney. They're in town for business. They're in venture capital. The one who looks like John Hamm turns to me and says, how was your meeting? Oh, it was a very good, I say beaming. Oh yeah? It seems like it. What type of meeting was it? He asks. Uh, it was a booty call, I say smiling, expecting that Melissa had already filled them in. Both men erupt with laughter and look at Melissa. You kept her secret. You're a good friend to have. Oops, I gather Melissa told them I was down here for a work meeting. Now the men are intrigued and want to hear everything. How we met, what happened, all about Hubba Hubba. You guys are coming out with us on the yacht on Saturday. The guy that looks like John Hamm informs me. Apparently, Melissa has secured an invitation to a party on a yacht on Saturday. We continue to chat for another hour, and then Melissa and I excuse ourselves and head home. On the drive, I tell her all about my date with Hubba Hubba. I say, I think I'm ready. I think I'd sleep with him on the next date. I couldn't do it tonight, but after tonight, oh, yes, I am ready. A couple days go by, and I haven't heard anything. This is normal for Hubba Hubba, but I'm kind of surprised since our date went so well. And then another few days go by, and still nothing. After a full week of silence, I decide I'm releasing him, and that I'm grateful that I didn't sleep with him on that fourth date. So just as I decide to let him go, I get a text. Hey, how's your week been? Of course. We have a short exchange and then the conversation dies out. No mention of meeting up again. I hear nothing for the rest of the day or the next day until the next night. That's the day the results from that big exam that he studied for and took came out. Results come out at 6 p.m. And at 6.40, I get a text. I passed with three exclamation points. First, it makes me so happy to hear that he passed. I knew he would. But secondly, I love that he told me and I love that he thought of me when he passed and not more than 40 minutes later. This definitely means something. The next day, he texts, Any fun weekend plans? I notice now he's texted me three days in a row. This also definitely means something. I reply, depends what you consider fun, LOL. 
dinner with friends and a writing workshop that starts at 6 a.m. tomorrow and maybe brunch with my parents. What about you? Doing anything to celebrate yourself? And then he says, I mean, it's not having me in between your legs, but it could be fun. Um, okay. I mean, he's not wrong. (laughs) So I say, that would definitely be way more fun. Is that an invite? I can't even say what he said back. I'm tempted, but I think it's too much. Let's just say we discussed our last date and his skills. And then he said, let's make it happen again. Late the next night, he texts me a photo of a sunset. I reply the following day and now realize we have texted for five days straight. But who's counting? On the fifth date, he references the date again and then finally asks, Well, let me know when you're coming back down again. I decide to be bold. I'm going to invite him to drive up here. But I'm scared to put myself out there again. So I decide to use a trick I learned from my friend Nicole. I'm going to ask him how open he is. So I say, I'm very likely down there Friday. If that doesn't work, maybe I can entice you to come up my way. Are you open to being enticed? I hold my breath. I feel so nervous to see what he says. He responds immediately. Entice me. He says, and then adds. And come by Friday too. Oh my God. Oh my God. He's open to coming up to visit. And he wants to see me on Friday too. Maybe I'll wait to sleep with him until he comes up here. Then I won't have to drive home after. I can just go to sleep and it will be magical. So now I have to entice him. I take the outfit that I bought for the lap dance striptease class. See, we have a final performance and I need an outfit for that, but I'm way too shy to wear it. So now I just have this torturously sexy outfit and no one to wear it for. So I take that and I grab a deck of sex poker cards that I bought off Amazon and I snap a photo and send it to him. How's this for enticement? I ask. He replies, I love it. What is that contraption? I tell him about the outfit and he has a lot to say about the outfit, the cards and all the things he wants to do with both. Oh my God. So this is finally going to happen. And with hubba hubba. And we're planning a fifth and sixth date. What is actually happening right now? Two days before our date, he texts to confirm that I'm coming down. How about seven? You might just have to watch me work for a bit and then I'm going to work on you. And then he adds, And I can come up to your place the night after Thanksgiving if you want. Reading that makes me so happy. First of all, 7 p.m. We keep getting earlier and earlier. This is amazing. And secondly, he's willing to drive up here and he suggested it. So this is how it happens, just like that. But now it's time to have a conversation with myself. Okay, Rachel, here's what we know. This guy is not a relationship guy. And you are a relationship girl. However, relationships aren't exactly falling out of the sky right now. (laughs) And you have needs. You said you wanted to have sex, and here's a guy, and you're now in the fifth and sixth date zone. This is uncharted territory. It's time. Now, it may only happen once. Are you okay with this? And based on the last date, you know it'll be amazing. Like, incredible. Like, possibly the best sex of your life. So are you okay with it only potentially happening once? Let's prepare for the worst case scenario so you aren't annihilated again this time. Worst case, you have the best sex of your life and then never hear from him again. Are you okay with this? 
Well, I reply to myself, let's say you had the opportunity to travel to a foreign land. And in that land, you had the opportunity to eat the most delicious cake you ever tasted. Would you do it? Would you taste the cake knowing you could never return to the land or have the cake ever again? Or would you refuse to experience the most delicious cake you'd ever eat because you might long for it when you returned home? Yes, this is how I talked to myself. <laughs> I paused to consider this hypothetical conflict. Fuck it, I'm doing it. I'm eating the cake. But the next day, I get a text from him and my stomach drops. It reads, How six is Friday, so we have a bit more time. I'll have to work a little if that's okay. Might be quiet, though. Now, that might sound good. He's moving it early, but I decide he's trying to squeeze me in before another date. I mean, I know he's dating other people, and that's fine, but squeezing me in? That feels bad. Dude, see her on another day. Melissa encourages me to ask him about it. So I text him. Hey, ooh, more time. I like it. Do you have some place to be after? I have to work an overnight shift and start at nine. So the more time, the better. Oh, now I feel kind of silly. Why do I always expect the worst? The next morning he texts. Hey, see you at six tonight. And then at 6 p.m., as I'm walking up, I get a text that reads. Gate code is 9390. Okay, now I have the gate code. I have the gate code. And I would never come back on my own and use it. But see how little it takes to get his gate code? Oh my God, I have his gate code. And this is our fifth date. The most dates with any guy since this whole thing started. And it's with Hubba Hubba. I walk up the stairs and plop down on his couch. I unzip my knee-high black boots and put them by the door. He's on a Zoom call, but steps away to greet me. You look nice. I love those boots, he says. Where are you going after this? Well, since you're working, I say, Melissa and I are going out for drinks. Since last time worked out so well for us, Melissa has accompanied me this time, too. I brought you something, I say to him, pulling a small bottle of whiskey and two bars of fancy chocolate out of my bag. I say, you passed, and it's a big deal, so I wanted to celebrate that. Thank you so much, he says excitedly. He seems touched. He's wearing scrubs and tells me that it's been a super busy day. I haven't even had time for a shower, he says, walking back to his laptop. As I'm sitting on the couch, watching him listen intently to the Zoom call, I get a text from my friend Alex. I've mentioned Alex a number of times, and Alex is a big fan of the podcast. He texts me after every episode, but he refuses to hear any spoilers. He says he wants the same experience everyone else gets, cliffhangers and all. So he texts me while I'm sitting on Hubba Hubba's couch, watching him work, and says, just started listening. Yes, you definitely need to text him. He's talking about Hubba Hubba. We need to know the story. And then he adds, at this point, I'm too invested. I need to know what the hell was going on. But he's not for you. So you're not texting him to date him. You're texting him to find out what the hell was going on. I start to laugh and Hubba Hubba looks over. Just then his Zoom call ends and he tells me he's going to take a quick shower. He pulls his shirt off and walks towards the bathroom. Wait, I say. I want the whole show. He smiles and strips down. I wish you could join me, he says, smiling. I'm in heaven. I look back down at my phone. I wish you would let me tell you spoilers, I type out to Alex and hit send. When he's done showering, he walks back over to his laptop. Sorry it's so busy, he says. Would you rather I go? 
I ask. No, it's okay, he replies. I just like talking to you. There's plenty of time. At this point, I'm just so happy. This feels like more than a booty call. This really feels like something. He's back on his Zoom calls. In between calls, he's talking to me. We talk about travel and his work and how much he loves working on his rental properties. He tells me about a 25-day trip he wants to take and lists all the destinations. I tell him, I definitely want to go to Iceland and Denmark and Australia. Since Australia is near his other destinations, he adds Australia to his travel itinerary. He's talking about traveling together. I just listen to him, but I don't make it mean anything. I'm not falling for plans and dreams and all that stuff again. I'm just taking it all in. At one point, he looks so stressed. So I asked him, are you sure you're okay? Do you want me to go? And again, he replies, no, I like having you here. After a long while, he finishes his last call and walks over and sits down next to me. He kisses me and then says, I'm so glad you keep coming down to San Diego. Thanks for coming. Sorry I was so busy. He walks me to my car and then heads to his car, dressed in scrubs and clogs, to head in for his night shift. That date was super weird. Honestly, parts of it felt amazing and parts felt really weird. I honestly have no idea if I'll ever hear from him again. A couple days pass and now it's Thanksgiving. My parents are hosting 27 of us, including my sisters and my boys and my ex-husband and a bunch of our extended family. During Thanksgiving, we always go around the table and everyone says what they're thankful for. My dad's cousin's wife says she's thankful for this podcast. And then later she tells me, I got my sister listening too. She told me, I hope she doesn't end up with hubba hubba. I smile and ask, well, do you want spoilers? No, I don't need them, she replies. Okay. The next day, I decide I need to get my mind off hubba hubba. I invite Melissa over for dinner and a movie. We order takeout and watch a rom-com. Earlier in the weekend, Wendy, my photographer, had emailed me the photos from my photo shoot. And so I show Melissa some of the best photos. These would make great dating app profile photos, she says. I'm just saying. She's right. They would. And I'm ready. I decide I need to try something new. I can't have all my eggs in the same hubba hubba sex basket. Melissa helps me pick the photos to include my profile and pushes me to consider choosing a sexier photo that I normally wouldn't gravitate towards. I decide to follow her advice and include a photo from the Home Depot shoot with me in the lace bodysuit and the drill and the I'm single hat. This time, I tried the app that I deleted because all the messages I were getting were from 20-something-year-olds. I always thought it was ridiculous to even consider going on a date with a guy 10 to 20 years younger than me. Like, what would we even have in common? But now, Jackie had really encouraged me to think differently. She had said... Younger men, when a woman is in her 40s, it can be like the most extraordinary experience and match. And so I'm willing to just see what happens. Pretty soon, I have a bunch of likes and messages. An Irish fellow in his mid-40s catches my fancy. His profile shows a successful career, a good-looking face and body, never married, no kids. Now, I'm typically skeptical of the never married, no kids. Well, for men in their 40s and up anyway. But I'm enjoying our conversation and the banter is flowing, so I give him the benefit of the doubt. After about 30 minutes of straight messaging in the dating app, he says, I'd love to meet you, Rachel. Would it be okay if I got your cellular digits? 
I pause to consider and then quickly type out my real phone number. As you know, I have two phone numbers, my actual phone number and then a Google voice number that I use for privacy and dating. But I'm ready to put myself out there. I really feel like things can be different this time. He texts me immediately. His text reads, Rachel's new Irish boyfriend. (laughs) Swoon. Oh my gosh. I reply, best text ever. I screenshot that exchange and text it to Misha. And then I go back to chatting with him. I tell him about how I had a mouse in my house that morning and how I was very distracted by it. He tells me that he thinks it's adorable that I'm afraid of mice and says he feels very protective of me. He adds that if he knew me better, he'd offer to come over and help me catch it. I really do love that. I want a man who's protective of me. And acts of service is my love language. Wow, how did I find this gem? I start to think. He's obviously feeling equally lucky. Maybe it's the luck of the Irish because finally he says, Rachel, I have to ask, why or how come you're not married or don't have a domestic mice catcher? Just then a text comes through from Misha. It reads, I feel like I missed something. I type out a quick reply. Apparently I have a new boyfriend. And then I get back to him and I tell him that I'm divorced and that I've been working on myself and just really started dating over the last year. Kids, how long were you married for? He asks. I tell him about my two boys and about my amicable divorce and how we don't have drama. I say, my boys have a great dad and we get along well. For example, I invited him to Thanksgiving at my parents' house so he wouldn't be alone. He replies, does he have to come to every Thanksgiving? I find this a strange response, but say, LOL, not if I had a partner that had an issue with it. Although I'm thinking, I actually wouldn't want a partner who would have an issue with that. Can't he kill mice, he asks. I note his tone seems jealous, which would be crazy since he doesn't even know me or my ex. I say, I'm not sure, actually. I want to have good boundaries with stuff like that, not treat him like a husband when he's an ex. And then he replies, or buy a cat. Whoa, what's wrong with this guy? He's apparently jealous of my ex already. I'm legit in shock. How can things go so wrong so quickly? So I reply, ooh, ouch, dog person. Our communication dies at this point, and I just feel so relieved that I obviously dodged a major bullet by not wasting any more time on this guy. I text Misha again, never mind. Apparently, we broke up. Just then, I get another notification from the dating app. I open the app and find a brand new guy at the top of the queue. He's liked my sexy Home Depot photo. I look at his profile. He's 25. Okay, yikes. I'm not sure how I feel about this. He's really handsome, though. He has a great smile. And then I notice he's from Minnesota. Ugh, Minnesota. Rachel, pick another state. I don't know. I have a good feeling about this guy. I match him and type out, this seems like a bad idea, dot, 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 with the winky face, with the tongue sticking out emoji. The next morning, I wake up to a bunch of new messages, including a reply from my 25-year-old. It says, you might be right, but I think not, winky face. As I'm contemplating how to respond to him, a text message comes through at 8.43 a.m. Craving those boobs of yours. LOL. And good morning to you, too, I reply. Okay, so, phew. This is a really long story. Let's take a break, shall we? I know we technically haven't crossed the sex off the list yet, but 
Come back next week to help me finish crossing Have Sex Again off the list again and to find out what happened and when and with who. I hope you loved that episode of Love Before 100. And actually, if you did, I'd appreciate it so much if you'd go leave us a five-star rating in the Apple Podcast app. And then be sure to come back next week to find out what happens next and tell me cross another thing off my bucket list. That's been the-